0: Welcome to another episode of Inside the Banjo-Verse with me, Enda Scal. If you're new, you're very welcome. If you're not, welcome back. I'd like to give a big shout out to all the patrons of the podcast. And if you would like to support me, please head over to patreon.com forward slash Enda Banjo. While you're there, you may even feel inspired to play the banjo. And if so, you are definitely in the right place. Have a look around. There's a lot on offer. My guest on this podcast is none other than the virtuoso concertina player Mohsen Amini, best known for his work with Talisk and Imar. If you've seen Mohsen live, you know that he is an absolute force of nature. And if you know him, you know that he's also a terrifically nice guy. I loved talking with Mohsen. I know him for quite a while. And I hope that you enjoy this conversation with Mohsen Amini. All right, let's dive in. Sorry. And So we're just going to freewheel it. I, I mean... It's just a conversation. I'm curious. I, I know you for a long time, but we've been yeah. on the road. Um, give us a little bit of background about how a Scottish guy with an Iranian father is playing what we'll essentially call Irish concertina for want of a better description. Yeah, because Concertinas are not falling off the shelves in Scotland,
1: as far as I know. No, I just found a little bit of a gap in the market, <laughs> and I thought I'm going to exploit this. No, I I started I started uh, back uh, when I was about twelve years old uh, Irish dancing. Um, 12... <laughs> let's let's start there. Let's 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 <laughs> unwrap that box
0: <laughs> because I I have a I have an Irish dancing history as well. Oh really? A little little known that I I am the I was going to say proud uh, rather odd owner of a silver medal from the world dancing championships from the when world I, tra- about a, I think i was 11 <laughs> in, in an eight hand so i now i'm absolutely fascinated so let's
1: start with your irish dancing yeah. history i i am the proud owner of a silver medal in the local glasgow fish <laughs> that is as far as it got i i loved it i my my mom and her friends sent all their kids to Irish dancing. Not through anything of being Irish or having Irish roots or anything, nothing to do with that. Um, But there was a local club had started and uh, they thought they would send us over so then they could go meet up and have coffee. So we went down and then one of the local cultist branches was playing and, as I like to do, I like to exercise the old a d h d every so often, and uh, went down and just had a couple of goes on the instruments. And my friend, my really good friend now Mary Campbell, she was running that at the time, and she said, "I could come and learn music at COTUS for one pound uh, and one pound for an hour during it, it was nothing because it was over. It was like uh, over in Scotland, Cotus was started as a as a, as a way to give give music to people that couldn't afford like lessons." Um, so it was really good. Um, so I went open and started doing that. I uh, forgot about the dancing because I was absolutely useless at it, though I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Um, and then started playing music. And I'm slightly glad because my career can now span more than hitting 35. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, how were you useless at
0: Irish dancing, Molson?
1: Uh I tend to get distracted. Tend to get distracted every so often. I was actually, to be honest, I wasn't that used to that. It I was actually, pre- I was actually quite good at it. Um, but I, but the music, music came in uh, about maybe like six months into doing into dancing, and I thought I don't, I don't, fa- I don't fancy the dancing as much as the music. And I also made a lot of, a lot of friends quite quickly playing music. So I was like, I just chose between them. I was, like, I'll just do, I'll just do music. Do <laughs> so, you I mean? Um, I literally fell in love with it. And Absolutely adored it. Um, so, so this is age 12? Age, I think it's maybe 10 11 is actually yeah. probably what it was um, and then the concertina came in about age 12 through um, genuinely through no one else wanting to take it and um, they got they got concertina into the branch and uh, everyone was trying it out no there's no teachers no one knew what it was what to do with it and I was like I'll have me a bit of that and they just, I got a tune out of it when I picked, well, I picked it up and I could get, I, could, I found a few notes and could play a tune out of it. And then Mary was like, just take it, just take it home. So I took it home. And then me and her, for the next like three years, would take a week about having the concertina and we'd try and find out where the notes were and different things on the concertina. Because we didn't, I mean, the internet wasn't a thing that had a lot of resources back then. Anyway, never mind resources for a concertina. So we—I would come back. I remember playing every tune in A major uh, with a G for like three years because I didn't know there was a G sharp in the concertina. <laughs> 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 Debatably, still, I don't know there's a G in the G sharp the concertina, but that's a different thing. Uh, but no, for years, years, years. Did that, um, and then uh, about four years into it, a uh, woman Katrina Macardo from the rival Colus branch came in and uh, just basically said to me, Mary, that in a very, very nice way, she came, she came to teach us for a year and was like, these are all the things you're doing wrong, and these are the small few things you're doing right, and then kind of just <laughs> moulded us back onto the right path for a year, and then let us get to own devices.
0: So it, it, I've never tried to play the concertina, even though my sister is an incredible player. It, yeah. it seems to me like a mind-boggling mathematical equation. What were you doing wrong? And what were the tiny things that you were doing
1: right? didn't how the right algorithms <laughs> couldn't get it working, <laughs> but every so often you get
0: it. Yeah, what you're messing around with a, with a Rubik's cube? What's your what's your top time?
1: Uh, top time Rubik's cube is one minute forty.
0: Ah, uh-huh. well, I got a twelve-year-old son here who can do it in thirty-six seconds. So there you go. <laughs> That's unbelievable. And it's all, all right. it's it's learning the algorithms, which fries my brain. It's like I don't know how to do it.
1: Yeah, I know it's unbelievable. It's like six algorithms and then you can get to the end of it. But if you're really good at it, you can work out what algorithms you actually need. Because yeah, I I've got I do it in a a little uh, I just do a little, a little conveyor belt of like do that one six times, do that one six times, do that one six times, do that one 12 times, then mess it up and then do it another six times and then make it work. Um they're great though. I love them. I absolutely love them. Uh, there's not there's actually not much to them. It's just you need to know where to start and then you're fine.
0: Yeah, well, I got to, I, I do them on YouTube when I got to the last algorithm. And yeah, I'm like I'm watching it, and and I still manage to mess it up. And I'm like,
1: He's I telling know. me what to do, and I'm getting it. You get to like you end up getting to the, the part where you put you start putting olive oil in the cube just to move a little bit faster, <laughs> <laughs> see, if, see if it changes your time. But you yeah. can't change what you know up there.
0: <laughs> so, re- relate this back to concertina
1: for me. Um, well, it's like that. This relating this back to Constantina is like concertina. there's nothing, there's no rhyme or reason to how it works, it just works, it just goes. Um, but you know I mean. It's a bit of a, it's a bit of a, a, a mental, mental instrument. Um, and it's just, you have to figure out, I think sort of, well, when, when Katrina came in to teach us um, like the little bits that we got right and wrong, there's things for us that we didn't know how to do, um, like, like bellow control, like it's a really big thing. Do you know what I mean? I, I never really looked into it for years and years and years. But if you, if you have, you, you generally have a scale, pulled out you can play the whole any generally any scale pulled up pulled out um, and also any scale pushed in so then you can start learning how to play tunes on fully on the pull fully in the push so then when you find you've not got enough bellows you've always got a way to bring it back in because you only know want I, mean? I mean like i stretch my bellows out for effect like not for a, not for like theatrical well for, for, kind of for theatrical effect as well <laughs> so i mean but it just ha- just so happens that um it, it is needed as well doing like big card spells and things like that, you need that. But if you're playing like intricate pieces, if you're if you're way out, there's no there's there's no way it's like getting a getting a, a plectrum and having it like 14 centimetres long and try to play with it. Do you know what I mean? There's no control there. So that would teach me how to keep the constantina nice, nice and tight. And then also teaching us where the actual notes were was a, a bit of a bonus. Do you know what I mean? Um but. <laughs> Um, really, really, I just, um, when, when, when I'm playing the Constituator trying to figure things out and get good at them, I would just get little, uh, little riffs and little patterns and just practice away at them just to try and get the dexterity up. Do you know what I mean? And then you find that you don't, there's nothing that can really trip you up because, you know, the little stupid niche little patterns that maybe will only come up once, once the blue moon, but it's there, it's under the fingers. Um, cause it wasn't many, I you know how like growing up, growing up, you listen to all like Everyone listens to like the, the standard like constant players, which is, like Mihal O'Reilly, No Hill, then like Now Valley, then you get Ponty Grins, and then like all all the ones growing up. And then it's like you do catch, there's loads and loads and loads of them. Uh, we grew up, but like there wasn't a lot of music from them all, um, that you could access. I remember I used to have a cassette of Mihal O'Reilly. I would play in my room, and then I got a phone, and then I I recorded the cassette into little audio files. So I had like a a set list on my phone. Now I could listen to it, and I'd be in the school playground listening to the Nervous Man. (laughs) And I was like, "I I I think it's cool. I don't know what else think it's cool, but um, I enjoyed it." Um, And uh, then, so then going on from that, because there wasn't many resources, I would try and listen to. um, I listen to other instruments. And then try and emulate what they would do. Um, so, like on a pipes, you'd have a crayon, uh, and you would change the way you would do a roll uh, based the crayon, Uh The, 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 the three fingered triplet that I always do—that's what a accordion would do to do a triplet. It's a bit harder on a accordion because your buttons are little peas as opposed to having like logs of wood or logs of ivory. So um, it, it just made made uh, made things like uh, funner, and made you could expand out. I think like not having a teacher meant could try different things and have like an avant-garde approach to actually learning an instrument. Um which from for me was the making of how I played and played music. Because if I had a teacher the whole time, I would be I would be the same as that teacher probably or I'd be heavily influenced. Um, whereas I've been lucky to get like a little bit of some influence and go around different players and learn little things from them. Um, so I thought that was a really good thing in learning the instrument. Um, but it also meant like because I've learned because I would learn how to play based off of other instruments. Uh, Like, you know, like, fiddles. they do different roles that they can do, like, you can, like, Tom Callister does that like, he hits his pinky off and it's like, or you get other ones that do, like, the sort of traditional role, and it's like, Um, I don't know how that, how well that's going to come across in a podcast, what I just did there. Excellently. Probably probably the most clarity of anything I've said there is the, because you know it's nothing. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Well, so can i ask you just uh, so a kind of a a, a a question that has a couple of different prongs to it uh, and it, one do you teach but my so I've, I've taught banjo for a long long time yeah and my observance of the banjo is that it's a difficult instrument it's a physically yeah. difficult instrument and so for a period of time the general standard will say now this is a very broad strokes comment the general standard of banjo playing Was in that kind of medium range where there was a lot of people struggling with the physicality instrument and struggling with the rhythm of it. And also, and so, but my, and again, this is just my observance is that concertina players all seem to be of a very high standard. And so I'm talking about, like, say, a a 15 year old banjo player, take 20 of them and take 20 15 year old concertina players, concertina players musically, rhythmically and technically are going to be way ahead of the banjo players. And I'm just talking, have you any thoughts on that? Is it because of the teachers that are around? Is it the instrument?
1: Uh, I, I i don't know. Um, it's a really, really difficult one. There could be the easy suggestion, like what I would think nowadays, is concertina players, general they do tend to have like an incredible rhythm because you have a, a bellow that is a lung tribune. So it's actually built into the concertina. If you do start thinking about the concertina as... I mean, you can get right into this and be like, it's like a body and it breathes and it has a heart and it has a pulse. It does, do you know what I mean? You, Actually, no,
0: I'm, I'm all ears, keep going.
1: Yeah, yeah, it really does. So if you start thinking about it like that, it is easy. No matter what you're doing, if you've got rhythm, you can pulse it and you can feel the pulse. Whereas the banjo, it's not got the same pulse fit. Like, you are, if, if if you slip up with hitting a note, you're, you're out of sync with yourself. If you slip up hitting a note on the concertina, your bellow's still going. Do you know what I mean? You're still pushing in that direction. So... It might be, there's, there's something like that for the internal rhythm. Um, also, maybe, getting into the modern time, uh, banjo is seen as quite a cool instrument in Ireland for, like, young lads. During, and they all try and play fast and cool tunes. Whereas, in Ireland, Constantina is not, like, it's not a cool, like, Wild West instrument. That is like, a sit-down, chillax, and play some groovy music. Um, and also, like, uh, you get, you have... Um, like, play, like, 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 Mihal O'Reilly is like the king of like the king of swing. Do you know what I mean? But he's just got his groove, like, he'd be like, as Constantina players go, like, for me, like, I know, like, like this. this, uh, now O'Reilly like king of like the, the cool, the triplet and all the rest of it. And then Mihal O'Reilly, it's like the swing and the groove and the feel, it's, it's beautiful. Remember that? That was, that was, he was my guy growing up. I was like, that's mm-hmm. where I started loving Um, And I think that maybe it's, it's moved. Maybe it's, Slightly to do with the the who who is uh, influencing hmm. the players as well. Um,
0: Where does uh, Simon Thumier come into all of that for you?
1: He was he was like a total wild card. Uh, he was he was great because he I. The, I mean, do you remember that thing, Filezilla? Do you ever get Filezilla? Do you no. remember like, the great the great raid of File, Filezilla? It was like back in like uh, like like ten or something <laughs> like that. And somebody so I can't I'm not going to say names, um, but. Somebody had a FileZilla, which is like a big massive dropbox, and had every single album and trad on this. And then somebody who remains nameless that plays the pipes gave me, (laughs) (laughs) gave one of my friends uh, a copy of this, the password. And then that got passed around and I got a copy of the password and every single person who tried to enter a copy of this password which like was just like the biggest, it's basically like Spotify before Spotify. Um, so everyone had all, the, like just randomly, it was like every single album in the whole of Trad, it was unbelievable. And then I just I just felt like I just downloaded and got every single thing. So then at that point I got like, I, f- I figured out who like Simon Toomer was, who eh, like Fluke were, who Lunasyl were, like all, all these incredible bands when all their music had already been released as well. Um, So Simon Tumor came into the mix at that point and I was like holy hell this is amazing Um, He has one album called A Big Day In and it is absolutely incredible He also does this, um, I'm quite into, into like in a studio I'm like we'll go in, we'll do a couple of takes and then we'll make sure those takes are perfect and they'll move on. Whereas like Simon will go in and he'll be like, let's get it all done today. I want it to be exactly the music I'm playing. I want it to be like, it's, it's so like it's great, but it's, it's it's him playing, do you know what I mean? Um, and uh, it was just amazing. It was absolutely incredible. They, I think, I'm pretty sure they recorded the whole thing in a day. And they did one tune called like the Duncan sailor. I think, is it Duncan sailor? saying the drunken sailor and playing the concertina sounds very 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 like so sounds awful but it's like <laughs> the most technical piece of it it's un- unbelievable yeah um, so it's amazing but also simon when i was uh, younger um we he was judging a fish and uh i was i did some of the concertina i came first because it was just me Um, as it was pretty much every single time I entered the Constantina, unless it was two people, in which case I would genuinely come second every single time. I don't think I've ever beat someone on the Constantina, which is (laughs) mental. I was like, literally, these people played the Constantina as their second instrument and they were just like towering above me. I'm like, how can I not get anything in these competitions? Um, But it made me drive, it gave me drive. Anyway, Simon uh, Simon was judging one of these competitions and he, totally believes and not he you know that that um that little analogy of like thinking outside the box and then the ants running around and they draw a circle around it and the ants stuck in the circle and that to an effect well it's a thing.
0: <laughs> okay. I, I'd like to hear more about that yeah, I, oh, you, you described it pretty well I get
1: the idea. <laughs> I tend to be very good with my descriptions very clear very despite um But he, so he's like, he just like wants you to think outside the box. So in cultus, obviously, in the competitions, they want you to, they don't want you to, they need you to, they need you to play a certain way. and It's all regimented, and it's it's got its it's got its positives, and it's got its many many flaws. Um, but that's what it is. Whereas uh, Simon's like, just expand, just think, don't don't stay, don't stay regimented in this thing. Just think, think outside the box, do your thing. And then uh, actually it was like come round to the house and he just invited me round to his house a couple of times just gave me like just for just for free just gave us some lessons just for the crack and had all these like weird and wonderful ways of doing music and the the first thing from all these weird and wonderful ways he was like just start playing that tune but just put no ornaments in it and then you start being like oh you don't really you're not you're not really in control of what you're playing and you only realize when he's trying to take everything out that you can't help it it's like a nervous tick Putting things in, and then when you do take it out, you start getting more control. So uh, it helped me loads in like different ways. Do you know what I mean all these like frantic players that you think are just like, oh no, play like this, play like this, but actually like just bring it down and be as controlled as you possibly can, and then mm. add the stuff. Do I mean bake a cake with some flour instead That's, of? Like, um
0: that's that, that's fascinating to me and it, it puts a lot in context because as when we were kids and doing the competitions and of course I struggled massively in the flab because I was in an Egypt and I, I I I couldn't be held back it, it sort of rubbed me up the wrong way that I had to play in a certain way so instead of that I would start to self-sabotage by playing crazy stuff and and not yeah. win not winning a fraction of what I could have won but I was delighted with myself as well at the same time oh, totally, but, yeah over the years would have looked at the Mike McGoldrick's and the Simon Tumir's and, and so many other musicians that were playing Irish music, they weren't from the island of Ireland. And they came with a freedom. That's true. Because they weren't limited by the strictures that were placed on the overall tradition in Ireland um, by, by cultists who do fantastic work.
1: Yeah, it's a funny one. It's actually, I, I remember when, it's when you found it like, Mike McGoldrick. John Joe Kelly, Desi Donnelly, Ed Boyd—all English. <laughs> it's like they're all they're all from there, and then even I suppose even there's a lot of love from the north. They still have cultists and The rest, but the, the north are kind of are like uh, they're like Scotland. Do you know what I mean? Um, so it's amazing that it's really interesting to look into that and see that maybe cultists, is I've always thought cultists is good until a point. I think they're really good for teaching because the standard of musicianship in Ireland under eighteen is unparalleled anywhere. Do you know what I mean if you come to Scotland? I mean people are great under eighteen over here, but the the difference is. I even felt it when I was younger. I was like, I can't. There's no way I can match anyone over here. Do you know what I mean I will try, but there's no way I can even be in a par. And um, but then when people go over eighteen, they, they 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 keep. I see Ireland stay there, and then the other ones keep pushing and keep pushing and keep pushing and keep pushing. So it's I think I've always said, "Colts is amazing until you're eighteen, and then after that, you've made your friends, you've won your flies, go make some music."
0: Very interesting. Yeah, Very interesting. Are all concertinas the same? Could you pick up a concertina anywhere in the world and know where the notes are?
1: You can for the for the first thirty, maybe. So that's loads of notes. Uh, well, that's the thing. It's not the notes you want. That's, that's more <laughs> notes
0: than on the banjo for
1: kind of I know, yeah. <laughs> <the> first thirty. It's <laughs> <laughs> a lot, a lot of notes, a lot of pushing and pulling. Uh, but well, there was like there's obviously famously Jeffries and Wheatstone layouts on Constantina, and the ba- the biggest thing in it is, is just there's a there's like opposing c-sharps do you know what i mean so one of them has a c-sharp that pulls one of them has a c-sharp that pushes that's 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 basically it for the first 30 buttons um after that you get a lot of people so i i've got a 38 button Constantina. generally Constantinas go from you can get 20 buttons but there's no point don't get a 20 button if you're going to get a 20 button just don't just get get a button accordion if you want two rows those <laughs> <laughs> That's all you need to do. But um, you get, you, I mean, the 30 buttons um, are kind of a, a standard um, jet, it goes up to 38. And they have, there's also, there is two, two layouts. I think there's been maybe a few layouts, but for myself with the 38 key, I found that I found those, I thought there was improvements to be made. I thought there was a few improvements to be made. So then I just, I got in touch with Sutner and just made, I made my own layout for the other eight buttons. Uh, which made, just made, made the concertina fully chromatic, bar like four notes, up four octaves which for an instrument that size is absolutely incredible um, and it, just, it opened up a, a few new options so if I was going to do a talus gig and my concertina broke and used someone else's concertina it would be quite difficult to, do, to, to play it to the standard I could, I could and you could get away with it but it's quite difficult and then the feel of them are all so different there's it's like I mean it's like with every instrument it feels different the whoop like a flute you have to blow harder blah 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 blah, blah. the action's too high a to banjo but um I find it re- I, I find generally concertinas are quite stiff um if you've got an old concertina um which a lot of people do have like your Jeffries and your Wheatstones. Um and they're quite hard to play, which might also be a, a a thing a deciding factor in the way people do play because it is harder to play these older Jeffries and that is a sought after instrument in Ireland and everyone gets a Jeffries. Mm. Um, it can be also light and quick. I've got Jeffries that is faster than anything you've ever seen in your life. Um, but I've also played them and I'm like I couldn't get I couldn't get half the speed out of it. Um, so to answer your question, yes and no.
0: Are you at the technical level that you want to be at?
1: You're never at the technical level you want to be at and you never will be. <laughs> You're never, ever close to it. I remember one time being like, I don't know what I can do now to become better. And then I just I, I sat down and I genuinely sat down for ages. And I was like, I don't know what to do. Cause I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know what direction to go. I didn't know at all. And then I just like something clicked one day and I was like, oh my God. And then I found out that I was just at like 3% up the ladder. Um, Oh, it's, I mean, like, it's a, it's, a, it's a constant struggle, but I love it. It's great. Uh,
0: your your biog, which I read, says you were studying chemical engineering and decided to be a full-time musician. Just talk us through that transition, because that's pretty fascinating for a lot of people.
1: Yeah, well, I actually started in, in school. Uh, I, was, uh, I was going to do medicine. I was always going to do medicine. And then in sixth year, I did a first aid course, saw some blood, fainted. <laughs> but that was that. So I I had like I'd got I had the uh, I said, the UCAT you have to go to it. I'd had uh, I'd been studying for the UCAT test and um, then my friend I had everything ready to go I had all ready to apply to all my all the five unis and then my friend at the end of it when she said, found out I couldn't do it she was like why don't you just do like chemical engineering and I was like yeah yeah cool and but I, I love maths I'm really I'm I'm quite good at maths um, and I really enjoy maths. Um, and I'm good at chemistry. I did all three sciences at school. Um, so I was like, I could fit into that, no bother at all. Went to Strathclyde uni to do chemical engineering, was there for like two and a half years. Um, on the second year, you have to do six lab reports and all 3,000 words each. And this comes back to the flaw, ruining my life again. So it was on the night before night before the flaw. And everyone was asleep, <laughs> and we we're in the house. A genuine, this is Jaden. Was, was my mate was round, and I was finishing the lab report, and I was just like, cool, us not finished that. He was like, "Can we just go down to my house, fall asleep, and we'll go to fly in the morning?" And I was like, "We can do that." I was like, "But I need to finish." it I was like, "I need to finish this, and you submit them all at the same time," so. I finished it, 18,000 words later, finished it, and then he was like, right, let's go and I was like, woo, let's go to the FLA, closed my laptop, thrown it up in the air, I was like, oh, this is amazing, woo, we're going to the FLA, and then went round to his house, to why I went round to his house to submit it instead of submitting it when I finished it, I do not know, went round, opened my laptop, and there was just this folder that was broken in half, it was like, your hard drive has crashed. And it was that was it eighteen thousand. I took it to that, Nothing. There's no. There's no safe in it. Um, so then I failed the lab, and I was like, but I've done all the work. I've done the labs. You have to log so many hours to do it. <laughs> so uh, and then and then I went back, and then so I had to. It's obviously that was just like a kind of like sidetracky bit of it. I had to just reset that one in the third year, and then going through it, I was like, I don't. I don't really enjoy this, um, and then got out offered halfway through the year to do a dance show, um, which will remain nameless as well, um, because I got paid like 36 pounds a week a night or something <laughs> like that, um, but I was playing guitar on it. So I think we something like 200 euros a week you were getting for this dance show, doing six shows or seven shows a day um, and getting your breakfast provided, that was it. Um, so when I bought, bought a guitar for like something like one and a half grand, bought all the pedals for like 300 pounds, then got all my stuff. So like two thousand pound later, had this ready to go, and then the tour made less than what the guitar cost. <laughs> so I ended up coming back from this tour with like three hundred quid. But it was my out. It was my way to be like, I'm going to do music. Um. So did that slowly, slowly left music, left uni uh, without telling my parents. Um, <laughs> sort of,
0: I, I'm just, I'm still tickled with the tagline. Uh, experienced musical slavery inspired me to be, become a full time musician.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it is that? That's exactly what it is. That could be the title of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but we, um, what was it? Uh, so did that. Um, slowly left uni. And when I came back, I was like, I'm going to need to. I, didn't, I was sitting at home, so I, I don't. I, I didn't need to. I didn't really need money, to be fair, because um, I didn't have rent. But um, you need to be doing something. So my friend. Who helped run the Coles branch, and ran a roofing company, um, and uh, he said I can work for him any day I want. Um, so I ended up becoming a roofer um, for like three years. Um, was doing roofing, and instead instead of like having like a full time job that I would work, for, I worked full time. Like it was like we'd be going out at like six in the morning and get back at six at night um, roofing away. And I did genuinely love it. But he was like, you can do this, and then whenever you have a rehearsal, a gig, whatever you can get all the time off you want. You won't get holiday pay, but you can get all the time off. And I was like, that's, uh, it's, just, it's just like gigging. Do you know what mean? You get paid for the gigs you do, you don't get paid for the gigs you don't do. So, did that for like three years. Um, and mum slowly found out that I wasn't doing, wasn't at uni. From the fact that I was coming back <laughs> with roofing gear on every single day, <laughs> um, I could have, I could I could have kept kept that secret. I could have kept that secret until today, um, but she's a regular listener to the podcast, she's going to find out now. <laughs> <laughs> hey, mum! Surprise! I know. Not <laughs> in you. college. All well, these years later, <laughs> I know. We've Been failing for fourteen years, <laughs> um, but so I was doing roofing, and then that was going really well, um, and then. I was uh, I would equate a gig, so on the roofs we were getting, I've done a lot of things, for not, a lot, not very much money. Um, so we were getting like 45 pound a day on the roofs. So when I got like a session in Glasgow, I'd be like, oh, well, if I get a session, I can have the day off. Hilariously worked in and I was like, if I go for a night out, I can get the day off, which is kind of the perfect thing that everyone's always wanted in their life. So I mean, you go out. <laughs> Don't they work great? So we go out, and then I slowly like build up having sessions. And like, you'll be getting like seven days a week of music, music money, and then slowly be able to. That's the dog, the dog wants to be involved. She's pretty, pretty yappy. Uh, just yes, dogs are, she's cute. But two minutes, to us, I'm <laughs> she heard so. Um, I would slowly build it up with that, and then it got to it got to a point where so he the guy that was the it's Phil Dockett Phil Dockett he's a really good friend of mine, and he was uh, he uh, was co owner of the roofing company, and then we'd tell everybody because his son I play music with his son as well, I'd be telling everybody about how I played music blah blah blah, and then we do some gigs whatever, so everyone would know that I was the person playing music in the building site. And then every time the gaffers would be like, you need to get out of here. It's like, <laughs> it's like you, need to, you need to get out of here. You need to go and spread your back. You need to go, you need to leave. You need to leave. It's like, you're wasted here. You're wasted here. <laughs> and then, being honest, it's hilarious. Me and my friend were on the roof. We're like, oh, we're, we're destined. We're destined for different things. We need to leave the roof, and we need to go, we need to go and fly our wings um and hilariously now my mate is now producer a netflix and then i'm touring the world playing music so it actually that's work out <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs>
0: so thank god for all those old guys living vicariously through the two young roofers yeah
1: exactly yeah but it actually it all, all head after when uh i entered the young musician of the year after that that was my last week riffing and then after that i never riffed again um i just played music the whole time so it's been it's been through quite a lot of things and I've really enjoyed them. It's been really, really, really fun. Um I also taught you like um also doing the roofing, um you're working so hard and probably probably a lot of people like getting into music that haven't done any other jobs, maybe don't uh haven't haven't realized like the worth of like getting two hundred pounds for a Kaylee or something like that. Do you mean it's like two hundred pounds is almost a week's wage working twelve hours a day on the riffs Do you know what I mean? So yeah. you do start appreciating money a lot more. Um which I think is pretty important to be completely honest. Um so yeah.
0: that I, I yeah, I agree wholeheartedly with that. I, I did a yeah. I had a day job for sixteen years prior to yeah. we we to three taking off. So I know what it's like to put in a 40 hour grind and
1: Yeah, I know. I'm like like actually working. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and, it's and, not working, is it? There's well, uh, no working
0: involved. I, I, I did it and did two gigs a day and taught banjo lessons at the same time as well. So, was,
1: oh god, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. that's a, a heavy, heavy schedule. That, to be that's a right.
0: it's a one way route to the psychiatric unit. That's what that is.
1: I know, but then all your <laughs> friends are there. <laughs> all, the other,
0: all the other banjo players.
1: I know, and the guy
0: is trying to figure out where G sharp is on the concertina. I hear <laughs> you. Saying,
1: I couldn't find the. I can't find G sharp. I can't find the psychiatric unit. <laughs> 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 oh god, nah. but it's good it's good and now we're now we're absolutely flying having a great time
0: yeah talisk is flying
1: it's, it's honestly it's went um it's honestly we've, we've been doing we've been going for ages now um like it's been like seven years now we've completely changed our lineup since it started um which i'm trying not to look into too personally um <laughs> It's hard to avoid the facts though, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> nah. I mean I guess as she Sh- Sh- like as like, Craig, we started it, me, Haley and Craig started it. We're best like best of friends. Still really good friends and like I talk I talk to Haley every day. I yeah, uh, like I, I can't get can't get rid of her. Can't get rid of her. Um but um it's could we when we started it, we didn't have a like as probably more well, not not most people. Because some people can get into get get agents straight away and then they can figure out maybe what they have to do. But if you don't have like any any like the management or agents or anything it's really hard to to figure out what's doing you just kind of just throwing throw in muck at the wall and hoping it sticks um, but we had a really good time doing it <clears throat> we were lucky enough to win a few awards we won a folk award like three months into the band forming um, which sprung us into sprung us into gigging we got like after that you got Cambridge Folk Festival, Cropper Day Festival and Towersley Festival which are all like five to ten thousand cap festivals and for a band that only had two sets, um, it's, it was great and quite daunting as well. And then maybe, because I remember we did towersy and uh, something like that we got after after like the travel down in a car, um, we got something like a pound a gig, is what we actually made. <laughs> and maybe that was representative of what we were worth because we only had two sets anyway. <laughs> so we were just busking along. Um, but no, it was, it was, I mean like... I do believe that the money should probably go up from these festivals for bands coming in to be honest. Um, but um, the opportunity to do it was very good for us and we, we managed to make, we made a good relationship with Cambridge and we always go back to Cambridge, we go back to Cambridge quite a lot and like I mean like 3 years ago we closed our main stage on a Saturday night which is like it's an amazing, amazing experience, amazing gig to get. So. We've quite a lot of fun things through that, but we learned as we went along quite fast. And then even when we came on tour with you, I was like, um, like, I've never seen merch sold so well in my entire life. (laughs) I saw Virgo, like like a week ago, and I just saw the merch set up and it was like, interesting. (laughs) I'm always looking. I'm always looking.
0: (laughs) <laughs> where, where? I mean that's a good that was kind of leads into my next question is like where do you sit with the whole art versus business
1: I think I mean they go hand in hand don't they um, if you if you lose the art bit then it's going to be hard to do the business is kind of how I see it um, but you can I mean it depends on what you I suppose it depends what you want to get in music doesn't it um, everyone wants to I mean everyone wants their art to um, to thrive. So then you push as much as you can into into that, and then naturally the money then would go up. So the business thrives. So like I mean, they they both like you can't you can't really have you can not have one without the other actually. But if you're if you're into your music, you can't have one without the with, with the other. Um, I would pick art over business. If someone said you can only get you can get nothing, but you can live a stable life, but you and you can play whatever you want, I'd be like yeah. Or you can be a millionaire, but you can't play that. Um, I'd be like, I, I'll take the, I'll take the art over it because that's how I go into it. Otherwise, I'd just be a chemical engineer. Do you know what I mean things mm-hmm. like that? Um, but I think I do think uh, like, I've, like I've, I've, I've learned a lot from like back, like your, yourselves and different bands that we've toured with. As like you have to be really savvy with business or you're not gonna be able to push your art to the right places anyway, do you know what I mean? So I think you really have, to, if you don't have somebody driving at the helm um, with a good business mind or even an agent or a manager that can push that side, then it's gonna be quite difficult to make your, make your music, make, just make it happen, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Take it to different places, you'll end up just doing the same thing over and over and over again, and probably getting bored, do you know what I mean? So um, it works, it, it works in two ways um but I see them working hand in hand and uh there it can be a beautiful relationship between them both do you enjoy both aspects of it I do I enjoy both of them a lot of people a lot of people really don't I've talked to like me me and David Foley uh like years ago wanted to not that we are absolute like geniuses at um how to start bands but I mean it's pretty good at starting bands I started about 100 bands when I was trying to make talents <laughs> um and uh we I mean, were like let's just start a business uh, where we can just like tell bands, that not to not even not literally not to make money, just to be like, just we are almost like consultants, free consultants that you would come and say, "I want to make a band. What should I do?" It'd be like, "Do this, do this, do this, do this, do this," and that is all the step, the basic steps to to making a band. And every time we did talk to some people and and do it, and uh, but like people like people generally don't don't realize that. That the, they do work hand in hand, you have to put this bit of effort in. Have a lot of people, like I, I'm an open book, so I'll tell you, I don't, there's only one thing I won't tell anybody anything about. It's like, this a guy that does our graphics because I love him. <laughs> I, I love him. He's mine. I want him. I need him. I need him. <laughs> I'm like, I like, need to prepare. We, 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 I, I want him every single week, giving him something new to do. But I'm like, that, that sort of thing, I was like, I don't want someone to steal the style. Um, but anything like uh, anything, pedals, uh, how we make things, like sponsoring, videos, all the rest of it, I will tell anyone anything at all. I remember some people were just like, Why do you not just, why are you giving away all the secrets? I'm like, Because it doesn't matter if you give them all away, they still have to do it. Do you know what I mean you can tell me how to play the banjo? I'm not going to be able to play like you. Do you know what I mean, unless I put in like 20 years of work. Do you know what I mean, and there's that bit that people don't get when they're making a band or making music. Um, and if they did, like the there would be there's so much more. The scene would be absolutely humongous. There used to be a glass ceiling, a really really strong glass ceiling in the trad industry because people didn't do shows, people did gigs. Do you know what I mean? But now people are ch- ch- changing it, making it slightly th- like it's theatrical. Do you know what I mean a gig's theatrical? Do you know what I mean? And now like with talus we've got we've got like a light show and all the rest. like it's massive light show. It's like you've been at a techno rave. Do you know what I mean? So like if we were we were playing in like a. Like a like lower Tillsbury Art Centre, like insert random name, art club. It'd be a really different gig. So now we have to like base it around what we're doing. Um so I mean the glass ceiling of the, the genre has been completely pushed. And if people if people more people got into the business side of it, it'd be unbel- it'd be massive. Trad music would be hum- humongous. Do you know what I mean? Imagine River Dance not have a business mind. Irish music would be a thing. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> I mean, gone.
0: Do you have a you know speaking of business do you have like a five-year plan do you have places that you want to get to are there steps on the ladder that you're aiming at
1: we we didn't for we didn't for ages because actually it's when we got uh, started with our new sound engineer steve richmond so stevie he runs a business called Coza and he does the chili papers and all the rest of it as well and uh, he was like he was like if you found yourself doing all the work um then you, there's nobody there if you find yourself to you're doing you're like sending the merch and doing the emails and do blah, blah 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 it's like there's nobody thinking about the bigger picture stuff uh, at the other side of it to push you to the next level and i was like never thought about like ha- someone actually having to i mean like learning as i go along never thought of it as being someone has to sit down and say oh we want to do this we want to push this to this next place and get there and um, so it's only in the last last year and a half we've always had like like small not small as with all but massive aspirations but uh, like small steps so like our like doing the tour reviews but like we can do our own tour and then push it that way and then that was a two that was a two-year plan do you know what I mean we've always had like little two-year plans and it's only now we're starting to get into like having like a five-year plan so now we do have like markers and it's and maybe to be fair I'll be being honest it's like a four-year plan is what we've got at the moment of where we want to push things and different because you have to like we've got we've got ideas for like collab tours and things like that and like big like things to push us and in the UK we like maybe like three years ago we were doing like 200 caps and selling out some of them and not selling out other ones now we're at going up to 600 caps and selling out like maybe like 60 percent of a lot of them like so some of them maybe 200 to 600 caps and selling 60 percent of them and then we're like how do you get that to the thousands and that's where the four-year plan has came into place and like you can team up and make things happen um so now we've now we have that in place which is like um which I mean if we knew that at the start probably have accelerated us a bit faster do you know what I mean just like the like uh, you know in lockdown people are doing like videos and then doing collab videos and it's like oh there's actually different ways to achieve like your follower count or blah 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 whatever you want to get um so so yeah it's kind of it's on, it's on the right track now um and we figured out Different like different ways to different ways to accelerate music. Even as simple as working with a promoter. Do you know what I mean? Don't put a gig on yourself. Put a gig on with somebody that's put a gig on. Yeah,
0: they know they <laughs> know what they're <laughs> doing.
1: Yeah, it's so it's so simple, but it just it just takes it just takes somebody being like we also have to get to a, a stage where someone would want to work with you as well. Do you know what I mean? But um yeah, it just takes someone just being like, well, why don't you do this? And you're like, oh, that's a good good idea. Um, so Talis, we've got a good we've got a good uh, sort of. Uh, things good good plan of things happening and then we've got our 10 year anniversary coming up as well so potentially well i'm not going to say what we're going to do but we've got big like a big plans for a big a big event um which will hopefully involve a lot a lot of people um so and
0: and and hayley my
1: favorite yeah there was a chance the other day about it it's obviously going to be like we'll get everybody that's been involved as well involved um, Haley the other day was like <laughs> I was chatting to her and she said we're playing up in Aberdeen so she's teaching up in Aberdeen now and she said to me she's like my she's like eh, she's like he's coming to Aberdeen I was like yeah she's like can I get and because uh, I always put in, like Haley obviously has like a, 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 unlimited access she's got the Black Nandos card for Talisk um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, she was saying uh, she said like, can I can I get like a plus four. For the guest list for Aberdeen and I was like only if you tell me you love me and she's like just you remember who started this band <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Damn, don't tell anybody that I'll just tell everyone and end this podcast <laughs> <laughs> <That's awesome. laughs> do you like touring love it absolutely love it I do love it um I, I going to go to go into it more and more because we've got Imar as well as Talisk. it's like the touring does kind of uh, they merge into each other, so you can be gone away for. I mean, you can be gone away for like like two or three months at a time. Um, so that uh, I remember talking to you, like cause it's like uh, talking about being away from like you've got like a family. Do you know what I mean? So that's it'd be harder. That that'd be harder for you, definitely. Than I've got like a relationship. I've got a girlfriend, um, and that's hard. But a family is harder than uh, than that. So I do I do imagine well. We've, we're kind of in this at the same time because Graham's got a child and twins on the way now. He's going to have twins. He finally got twins on the way. Yeah, so he's going, to, he's going to need that four-year plan. Yeah, he's going to need that four-year plan. You mean that four-year exit or a four, four,
0: four, fourteen-year plan? I, you know, yeah.
1: He's got an exit strategy. It's becoming a count or something like that. Um, but do you know any guitarists coming? No, Graham's not. We're not letting him leave. Stay. He's 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 Stay. He's too bloody good. He's brilliant, man um but i suppose with so i i don't i don't mind being away a lot i do like being home and the rest of it and after like i would say like after like covid and mum getting really ill i do like being home a lot more um because like you want to spend time i do i i took it for granted like really took it for granted before but now i don't take it for granted like see like seeing my family and seeing things like that because you don't have that you won't have that forever do you know what i mean so um you really like I don't think until you've had something really bad happen that you realise how much you you must you you need it and you should be there. Um, and don't live with your like don't live with regrets. I'm getting we teary I always get teary when I think about that. I Always do. Oh yeah, but, it makes um, certain sense. Yeah, but that so like. That, that that would hold, it doesn't hold me back from touring but that would always be on my mind. I don't want to be away for too long, but it's quite, it's quite easy with Talis because Graham has a child as well. So he's like, I he's like, I don't, unless it's like, unless it's financially worth it to be away for that extra week on tour, then why are we away for that extra week? Why don't we just split it up and do it in the next, the next tour? You don't need to be away for more than three weeks. Do you know what I mean? You can be away three weeks, come back for a couple of days, go back away for three weeks, there's nothing. You you sort your own schedule. You know I mean? We can only not sort out festivals, but festivals are on the weekends. Um so I I love it. Um and uh, it can get quite 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 a bit much after a while. Um but I think we've made we've made it we've made it happen in a way that it doesn't ever get too tiring. I always enjoy it and also when tiles go off tour I get to go on tour EMAR and the crack is honestly incredible it's amazing do you know what I mean and it's really different crack to Talis. Do you mean the Taliesk crack is unbelievable I love it I love I love both sides and you get a complete it's just like seeing and you're know, you hanging with the same person all the time you're like cool I know all your jokes I don't know his jokes I'm going to listen to them um so it keeps it fresh it keeps it fun um I think if I didn't have two though I would find it quite difficult always going away because it would come the same thing all, all the time and it always be really fun but I like I just love that a different dynamic in your life do you know I mean you could have it from like you know like you go home you go fishing do you know what I mean? I and mean, you like your fishing is like I I don't know, but I imagine it's your other outlet where you're like, oh, this is a really good dif- to change the dynamic. Whereas f- fishing's my E bar. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Things like th- things like that I really enjoy. Um, it makes touring much more fun and much more sustainable. Um, on the long term of like a big um, a mass tour, I've been away for three months. Um, so yeah, so to answer your question, I absolutely love it and will not be stopping anytime soon.
0: <laughs> what do you do to, What do you do to unwind? Like, do you have a fishing that's not emar because a lot of folks that i'd say what do you do when you're not on tour they go oh i just play music at home
1: i know yeah unfortunately <laughs> i just end up uh, like my my people that i go out with when i get home are like benny and ryan murphy so like whenever we get back from a tour we all meet up and it's just like being on tour back again um so i don't know i go to the gym quite a lot um and uh but i do i do really just i do just play music to be honest i don't really i don't. To be honest, when I come back home, I don't really play that much music. I just go and see my friends. I just I'm more mostly say my, my outlet is like a social life. Um as much as music is like the most sociable thing you see seen those people, I just love seeing my friends when I get back. Because you're only we are only back I remember one year I was only back like home, like I sat in my own bed like six times or something like that. Do you know what I mean? So I think whenever I come back I'm like I want to I want to be be present with all my friends and keep that going. Um, so that, going for coffees I don't really drink coffee, I don't care much about coffee which is really really different to the Wee Banjo 3 approach
0: <laughs> I slowly <laughs> get into it I yeah, slowly I think, get into it <laughs> I think we, we, got, we ended up being less able for the caffeinated stage as the years went on but
1: <laughs> really <yeah>. uh, <laughs> just decaf
0: uh, so you're, like I've spent a lot of time around you over the years and like you're yeah. super high energy and very very positive but do you struggle with anything?
1: Uh, I thought this loads. Um, let me try and get my thoughts in order so I can say it in a in a way that makes sense. Um, I I see whenever I'm around people like so. I remember one time we we're with my mate. I'd like with my mate. He was a bit drunk, right? But he was fine. He was totally fine, but he was a bit drunk. And then we were, we we're going down to Liverpool and he kept going like that. He's like, that's one beautiful looking handbrake you've got there, And It'd be a shame if someone pulled it. And I was like, look, I was like, do not pull a handbrake when someone's driving a car on the motorway. I was like, that, and I just met, the, he's one of a really good mainstream right I've just met him. And uh, I was like, do not, you dare, don't touch this handbrake. And then we we're going down, he was like, it's 90% of show. He's it's like, it's just, it's like, I'm, it's like, I'm not, I'm that like It's just ninety percent sure, ten percent, I might actually pull that handbrake, <laughs> but no. It's like, but with, with me with the whole thing, it's like, I'm going out whenever I see people. I do genuinely, and it's not like it's a show. I just, I get really excited, and I'm like, this is amazing. I love, I love being around people. I love making people happy. Like I've this, I don't have it on. It's like. I, I love that sh- that film, The Greatest Showman. It's my favorite film. But it says there's a quote on it, and I have it on like a dog tag that I wear everywhere I go. And it just says, "The greatest, the no, the noblest of art is that of making others happy." And I think that's a real. I, I love that. I, I I'm so into that. Um. So I love being like energetic, really, really positive, really happy, and really, I am genuinely happy to see everybody and really enjoy all the rest of it. But when I go home, I'm just like, I just go like this. And I'm really quiet, and there's nothing like I remember. We was doing a tour, and it was with our mate Sean Gray, and then he was chatting. I like could chatting to one of my mates, and he was like, "He's not, he's not, he's not the the that you see out." Is he? it? He's like, he's always just like kind of chilled out. And I generally, I'm just really chilled out in the van. I'll sit down doing like doing like work away, and just be like calm So like, it's not like a. I don't really. I wouldn't really struggle with it being positive. the the the, the attitude outside i just have like a like a balance of it so it's not all like hyper 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 it's like it's only at those points it's like all up and then there are times i have my down time um you can struggle with it a lot the, the thing i struggle with a lot then um, is like um like people because people people know you they judge you straight away <laughs> do you know what i mean they judge judge everything so then they all think they all think, oh, he's crazy. He's absolutely metal. I'm like, well, and then some people take it in like a really positive way, and then some take people take it in a negative way. And you're like, you don't even know. You've never even met me. I was like, you can't make an opinion based on like we're not celebrities. You can't like you, make, you can't make polls about people and think they think you yeah, think you know what what they're doing or what who they are, whatever, blah blah, blah. So I'd say i say like sometimes when you meet people. Like uh, I met another person I'll say I'm good friends with this person. I'm good I get meet a lot of people that I get become really good friends with. Um because we're all really good really good people and really good fun. Um and then they were like, I thought you were going to be a bit of a I'm not gonna say what so, to censor it, but like, I thought you were gonna be a bit of a beep and then you're yeah, actually a really nice guy It's like I know <laughs> I know I am I just promote myself because I'm a musician That's people see people see self-promotion as like you're ignorant you're like you're up yourself you're cocky blah blah but it's like you don't get pissed off at milk for advertising it's milk <laughs> do you know what I mean you just, <laughs> that's what I am I'm just milk <laughs> So uh, that's that's the only the only thing the only thing I would struggle with is that that sort of thing. But I don't really I being completely honest I don't really care because when I when I know you and you know me then it's it's great. But before that I don't know anyone I don't until you reach out you are you you've never I've never known you so we don't exist to each other. But when we do meet we will it'll be great it'll be great fun so that's the only thing that i'd say is a wee niggly point and in in the music career music in general is a thing um but it's just it's it's never something that's actually around you um and when it is around you it's all good i just find sometimes you have to make a little bit extra effort with people because there's a predetermined idea in their head um other than that, I'm all fun and games having a really good time. you <laughs> I I have the best life in the world. I absolutely love it. I have a healthy family and get to play the music I love around the world. And it's now starting to really kick off, which is like, it's really fun. It's amazing. Um, so, yeah.
0: That's a fantastic answer and a, and a wonderful way to finish, I think. And yeah. I'm going to ta- take away that quote, the, the noble art of making others happy. It's awesome. It's,
1: it's brilliant, isn't it? Yeah. It's really yeah. good. And
0: if I can say i think you do a fantastic job at that
1: well thank you very much (laughs)